0: All right, good evening there, ICE family. We're bringing it back to you again here with the ICE Cool podcast sessions. Session number 11 is underway. This is Ken Dieterich. I'm your host here. I'm with Jess Parrish, my co-host right out of Colorado. What's up, Jess?
1: Howdy, howdy. We've
0: been coming at you quick. We've been coming at you with new people. We just try to keep bringing a positive message, and we really wanted to, you know, keep making our way around the country, but we kind of doubled back. We were just in Louisiana. And uh, we double and back east as we're trying to head west. But as we're trying to do positive conversations, and we're trying to bring, you know, some really great message to what people are doing out there, somebody who keeps striking us in the right area, freaking Edwin Hutchinson with Ice Age Sculptures out of Greenville, South Carolina. What's up, dude?
2: Hey, guys. How's it going? Codename Hutch, right? That's it. I uh, picked that up a long time ago. Actually, my dad... Was uh, was also Hutch when he played football, but some, you know, last name Hutchinson, so somehow or another, it, it stuck, and um, if, you, if you're in the ice world, you definitely call me Hutch.
0: Yeah, I think the first time somebody asked me if I had met you, I said no, and then they said, well, <laughs> Edwin Hutchinson, and I was like, well, I met Edwin, <laughs> so yeah, most <laughs> definitely, you learn it on the road, that's where I learned it. Well, we're glad to have you, man. Thanks for being with us. We know you're a busy guy. We see you on Facebook, you know, really getting around. And uh, with the family, uh, with the ice business, currently with this wood business, which we'll dabble on. But uh, it kind of seems to be an age-old question for us is, how did somebody get into ice? And we want to know, how did how did Edwin get into this whole subject matter before we go north and south and east and west and every which direction we're going to do? How'd you get into this, man? Yeah,
2: uh, just, but I just want to start by saying thanks for – for having me on and uh, this is a pretty cool thing what you guys are doing. Uh, Thanks. But yeah so started in uh, 1996 I think it was as far as culinary school goes and you know in there everybody does garmage, and so we you know had our little (laughs) garmagee sessions out in the back corridor in Charleston, South Carolina at Trident Culinary Program and of course it's hot and humid and It's, you know, uh, 90-something without the humidity factor, and it's probably 150 with it. So everything you touch to the ice is just melting away. But uh, it was about two weeks, well, no, not even that long. About a week after that, Brian Connors, who was my mentor, uh, was also an instructor at the culinary school there. And so we went out to his uh, shop. Uh, He started Ice Age back in the, I think it was late 80s, and... We went out there and I realized, you know, how he was getting down in the freezer and, and carving, you know, putting them carving pulling his block, putting them in one freezer and then, you know, pulling from that and carving them. And so I was just kind of blown away and I uh, said, Look, man, I really want to do this and he had like an eight by ten or eight by twelve freezer that he carved in. It just wasn't enough room for, for another guy. So on my off time I would go set uh, the guys that know me know this Well, I'd go sit in the corner of his freezer, and he'd allow me just to sit there on a bucket. And I'd watch and try to stay out of the way. And about three months, I guess, of off and on from, you know, school and restaurant business, I'd drive out there 40 minutes, and I'd sit and watch. And uh, Brad, the guy that was there, Brad Jones, said, um, you know, hey, this isn't for me anymore. And kind of passed off the chisel, and the the rest is history.
0: Nice. Uh, go ahead, Jess.
1: Nice, man. Sounds great. Yeah. We, get, it, the, um, we get
0: the stories, you know, from the chef perspective. Now, what I caught right out of that is was in 96, you went to school uh, at a culinary school, right?
2: Right. 1996 so,
0: to roughly 2000. So you were a chef. And I remember talking to you one time or seeing some pictures and then talking to you about it. How long were you a chef?
2: So I started in 1989, uh, 88, 89, you know, right about high school. And I started as a dishwasher and a line cook. The place called Blazer's Restaurant, Seafood Restaurant on Lake Greenwood. And just from there, I just continued in. You know restaurants I worked with my dad in construction a little a little bit I worked um, <laughs> frank's car wash uh, but mostly it was it was in in a restaurant or catering that I was in you know all the way up until gosh uh, two years ago when we when I sold my catering business
0: yeah, because I know you were involved with catering uh, i was going to say just on top until a couple of years ago, but ice really became full time would you consider it when?
2: I became full time, uh, like working for myself. Is that what you're yeah. asking? Yeah, uh, full time, 2016, 15, right. 16. I mean, like completely full time. Um, but I started my business in 2001. I uh, came back home after college. Opened up a little thing called a little business called Frozen in Time, and the numbers are kind of irrelevant at that that point in your career. I think we did like eleven thousand dollars the first year. Just it was no industry when I came back home. Uh, This is just south of your big metropolitan area, like Greenville and those areas. But we did like two carvings a week, maybe if we were lucky. And I was carving with a guy in Greenville and uh, on the holiday seasons and after about the second one he said hey man I think you, you might want to buy this I'm kind of he was an instructor in the culinary program up here and he said I'm, it's just too much so we kind of went back and forth and then I approached um, Gary Ross actually was with one of the guys we talked with went and saw his shop and I was, I was like wow this is really neat but it just wasn't for me. I think he had like the 80% program going on back then, the 80% club or whatever that was. And I just really loved hand carving. So I uh, went back to Brian, and Brian and I sat down, and he said, you know what? we are going to make a go of this. Uh, we sat down and did some, did some math and struck up, you know, a little small agreement, and and we just kept going from there. So – I dissolved frozen in time and started Ice Age in 2005 and I was still in the kitchen you know trying to make sense of things and um, but from 2005 until today we've been running Ice Age of Greenville. We're a sister company if you will. We're, we're both sole proprietors of uh, Brian Connors and Charleston with Ice Age of Charleston.
0: Good deal. Well, thanks for filling all in because I knew that I asked because I knew there was a little bit more of a backstory. You know, so that sounded like such a young, innocent story, but I was like, wait a minute. The guy was a chef for a number of years, and then his ice carving business has been around in tandem with Brian Connors. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned him because he doesn't come up as a player anymore. I go—I don't think to speak as, but years ago, I remember his name probably because, you know, it was such a, I don't know, a smaller field of people and that's it. But I never ran into Brian, but I always heard good words about it.
2: Uh, Brian's a great guy. He, um, Took me under his wing. He had. who was out of the. I think you and I have talked about this. He kind of got out of the Nica circuit there. Um, right. Gosh, I guess the late '80s, early '90s, and it just, you know, just uh, he had other things he was looking at, and, and uh, just wasn't he wasn't into competing as much as he was. And the competitions had changed. You know, whereas sixty guys would show up back in the '80s, and, and, and now you kind of had half of that. But I. When I started competing um, in different small, you know, one block, two block, things like that, and then Jeff Kozak called me in 13 to go to Alaska, which, gosh, that set me on a completely different path. I finally went back to Brian. I was like, Brian, you need to dust off the, the competition gear and, and mindset and, and come compete with me, and he did. Uh, he came up in 14, and we, we did a beautiful piece called um, Connie Spirit, His mother had passed that year before and it was a large angle with releasing a dove so um but yeah it was it was kind of odd because he taught me gosh i want to say everything i knew but of course i was i had my own imagination and but competition wise i was kind of getting him back into there where he had left it for a while
0: and alaska has become uh kind of a backbone home so to speak for you
2: it has. It's it's become something that is on the calendar every year. Uh, as a matter of fact, this will be the eighth consecutive year in a row. Even though we the, the competition missed a year in there, i still Leanne and I have both gone up uh, every year since '13 when when Kaiser called me and we we competed together um, uh, from the old park. Well, I guess the not the old part like you know, but the you know the second to the old park and then now the new park at the fairgrounds. Right. Yeah. I, I love, love it. it. Absolutely love maybe, it. It's in my blood. And
0: Maybe I would have made it more than three years if I would have taken my wife up there. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. You know. Uh,
0: Jess has been there a few times, too, and we were talking about different things to talk about with you. And uh, as we're talking about all of these things, and Ice Alaska comes up. You know, we know that you've got uh, a World ISAR Championships under your belt, and we'll give you the floor to talk about that piece and the players uh, just a second. Uh, but I, Jess brought up this crash. I completely forgot about it. I made out this list of stuff, and Jess was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! What about the crash? Right, Jess?"
1: Yeah, man. The one that you had on video, falling on your head. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that could have been worse. And um, the good Lord was was there, had definitely had some angels there and had him watching over me. I I know everybody's not on the same page when it comes to faith and religion, but uh, I will stand here and testify all day long that that thing could have pinned me in between a tree uh, just as easy as it fell on the other side of the tree. But I was praying in those nanoseconds um as it was coming down that i i could just kind of get out of the way but you know it was one of those things that um it was olympic qualifying year uh the best way to kind of paint the picture as to why we cut the support or why i cut the support but it was a you know chris swarvick and i said okay go for it uh it was a, a design that he i think uh, as the story goes he had this design it was a you know uh, a phoenix if you will with this circular kind of structure around it everything tied together with with kind of a keystone but the keystone wasn't really what we thought would hold everything together and uh, it was olympic qualifying year in 2017 uh for two men and everything was going great uh chris had uh hats off to score i mean i love him to death he, he he put this thing together, of course he used some of the CNC software, but he put it together in such a way that every cut was right there, we knew where everything was coming from, so there was really no guesswork, and all of our fuses went together well, and then we got past the wing, which was, thanks Stan Kolonko and Jerry uh, for helping us on that, we had one of Bryce's uh, rigs, and we pulled that big, those two big wings up there and connected everything, and then we finished off the top of the the circle well as you look at it you think well that keystone is doesn't play that big of a factor so we kind of turned it into an aurora type um, uh, carving if you will just kind of those lines if you if you were to carve an aurora we were trying to pull that off Mm -hmm. and so there there at the end um we had some guys that came by and and they were basically placing bets on whether it would it would stand or not. So, you know, to me it was an all or nothing type thing. And I told Chris, I said, What do you think? And he goes, uh, you know, I'm about eighty percent. And I said, Well, then I'm gonna make the cut because I'm a hundred percent. He goes, Okay. And so I got under that and we had gotten everything cut out except one one um support directly under the bird and I had the big 225 there that had the longest bar I could find on it and I started I got my position I had my back door and I started trimming away at it and I got it was probably about we had trimmed it down to about a four by four section and I had gotten to where I could see all the way through it and it was about a quarter if you will of ice left holding that thing and when I got that last little bit, I felt the ground go, and I was like, "Uh oh, this is going to hurt." And so I, I started on my back door way out. And I could see things starting to deteriorate as I'm moving. And right at the last minute, I, I got my right hand up, and there was a tree, a set, a little set of trees there. And I, like I said, the good Lord was there. I, it pushed, it hit the top of my head, and I had these earphones on that my wife hates (laughs) can't stand them because they're in all the pictures but it hit the structure on those headphones and kind of gave it a glancing blow as opposed to a puncturing blow and threw me and everything else on one side of the tree and knocked me out pretty good Um, I remember Swarvik came over or at least when I woke up he was kind of holding my hand and, and asking me you know, I'm okay and that sort of thing and I kind of got up and just kind of walked around a little bit. Went and sat down and um, had a smoke. And and then I went to the doctor the next day. I I didn't go that night, but but yeah, it was just of one of those not. things Who that would
0: go to the doctor. <laughs> Who would go to the doctor
2: that night? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> My pride That's was right. hurt that night, so I had That's to. Right. I had to, you know. But it was uh, it was a learning lesson. Uh, probably wouldn't change it except for maybe I'd move a little faster. But it's just one of those things. You know, it's like anybody that has ever been in that spot and has ever pushed it that far, you know, you if you're lucky enough, you walk away from it learning something and, and teaching somebody else something about it. So maybe that doesn't happen to them, but it's to each his own, and you're going to push that limit uh, if you're wanting to win. Needless to say, we didn't win. We came in last. but
1: <laughs> when that was a great, great experience. attempt. Good attempt.
2: Yeah.
0: You put the risk into it. I believe that's the year Todd Dawson may have, did he win that year?
2: Uh, no, I want to say that Kostick and uh, Dugan won that year. Might have been. Mm-hmm.
1: So, Actually, can I uh,
2: Caustic and, What's that? Oh, yeah, right. come
1: on, everybody. So, um, yeah, that's a great story. I saw the video. Um, It brushed off you, fortunately, and didn't kill you, pinch you. Um, And you said your pride was hurt, and it brings me to something that I've been thinking about. I'm always trying to work on my patience and also humility. And I don't know what's going on with you down there, but, I mean, I basically went from – B-grade rock star lifestyle and pay to draw on unemployment. Um, and so it's uh, it's been quite the perspective, but, you know, you, you sucked it in and got back out there the next year and put up another good piece. Good job. Yeah.
2: Uh, you know, I've watched you, Jess, uh, when you guys were doing the uh, – the birch tree piece and you know that the piece came down on you and and dugan and i always kind of took a little something from that and you know i'm not you know (laughs) i don't mean that in a bad way i really did kind of pay attention to how you reacted um you know and how you Mm -hmm. got back up on the horse and and it it uh you know because you don't know right i mean you don't know what you're going to do if something like that happens to you, is, that, is, it, is it scare you to the point where you don't get back up underneath the sculpture? I mean, right after that, I was still, uh, you know, I usually captain the multi block. Actually, I've always captained the multi block, but uh, usually it's single and multi. And that year, Chris was. But we the, the very next competition was the multi, and we had two 24 foot horses that I got to tell you, it came into my psyche. And uh, the guys knew it. Um, I knew it. I think the con- I had a slight concussion. That, that kind of played a little bit of part in it. But we ended up, you know, having a sculpture that was, you know, with supports left under it because we were downright afraid to cut the supports at that point. So it, it does come back into play. Um, and, and I don't think you ever really, really get rid of it. But it's it's about going back out and, and competing, being a little bit smarter, you know, being a little bit more humble, uh, knowing where you can take risk, and kind of measuring that up and, and seeing uh, seeing if you can make cut those supports or not.
1: Right. Well, w- with maidens of the birch tree, um, it was the last day. You know, you fall in love with your work, and we're just cleaning up. And Jim Duggan walked up to me. I was sanding on the backside. he handed me a piece of sandpaper he said this is for hand sanding it hit him and i just caught like a little splash um anyways he got taken to the hospital and doctored and uh, victor was the captain and angelito and myself we went back to the lodge and had some tea and we're pretty much freaked out and we had Five wings on our piece that needed six. And, um, you know, Victor and Janichi are, are, are good pals. And Janici said, Tell me everything. Where was everybody and what was everybody doing? And I'm not going to point the finger at exactly who it was, but somebody was running a tiny little bubble bit. And Janichi just said, Oh, you know, on final steps when you've got all the out and things like that. He said, "Vibration." He said, "You make a mistake once, don't make it again." And I saw, um, I saw Victor just swell up and say, "All right, boys, let's get back to work." And we were scared to death. At first we had the blower attached to like a broomstick because we didn't want to get under it. And then finally, we're just like, "Screw it."
2: Yeah, I mean, like, look at Daniel. Daniel, uh, uh, hats off, Daniel. By the way, Daniel, what's up, buddy? Uh, I know he's listening. Well, he will be, but um, great guy. And and this is just a testament to getting back on the horse. So, you know, you guys had a little conversation with Daniel and kind of gave you some insight on how he got uh, to how we got together. So it wasn't about six months. He was 18 years old, and he comes into the shop, and we had a big project where, like, we were turning, I think it was, like, 14 or 15 pillars for the ice bars and et cetera. And it was uh, about halfway through the morning, and I noticed that the, the, the RPMs were, he was really letting that thing, the lathe, the get going. I mean, it was just going really fast, and he was slowing it down with his leg, you know, the part that's already been turned and there was a point to where I could tell he, he had gotten kind of aggravated or something, and I heard the RPMs, like, change, right? Like, almost like when you're vacuuming up in something and you, you completely, you know, cover the head of the vacuum cleaner and that, that, that noise that it makes. And I turned around, and he had his hand up in the air, and I was like, all right, Daniel, c- cut it off, you know, wh- what happened? And he's like, this look of terror. And then it started getting a little bit more serious. I said, okay, man, come on, let's go outside. And sure enough, uh, I set him down, and he's just pale white. And I'm like, let me see it. And so it it the tip of his thumb, it basically, he was trying to slow it down, and it threw his thumb in between the bit and the ice and ripped off his thumbnail, right, just completely. It looked like alfalfa sprouts sticking out of the end of his thumb, uh, which was you know, his nerves and tendons. So, and he was 18 years old. Ooh. So of course I said okay, let's go and you know hand above your head and walked him out, and got him in the car and we went up there. Long story short, I thought the doctor said he was going to have to fold it over. And of course I'm just like breaking for the guy. Turns out they ended up reconstructing a little bit and he's got you know he's got kind of a three quarter nail there and, and it was all right. Well it, he probably was only out long enough for him to recover from that and he was right back on in the ice house now. it took him a little while to get back on the lathe but he was back in the ice house and of course we kept trucking from there and he's been with and we've been together for about 12 14 years you know he was with me right after he was on the same piece with the horses and he he was there in the park when it happened with the when the phoenix piece fell on me but we actually realized that we couldn't cut all four supports so you know he uh i want to take one of the white ones out so he had my belt loop as i'm cutting we had put a clear one in and we're cutting the white one out and and janice came by i was talking earlier and he said oh you'll cut support and and we were like ah no not really he goes and he pulls me over and he says something to shinichi and shinichi comes over and he goes hutch he goes the other one hurt you he said this one will kill you he goes you can't play around um And so, but we got right back in there and we finished everything else on the horses. The biggest thing from that year, I know I'm bouncing around a little bit, but it was negative 35, I think. And so all of the seams were dry because the first seam we did, which was, you know, right above the horse's butt, we put water in and it just exploded. And so we were like, well, there goes that. And so everything we did, the next, you know, 18 feet was dry. And so nothing was really doing that connection, holding everything together like we had wanted to. So that was another reason we didn't cut. But but Daniel was right there. He's just always been right there. And so you know he, he gets back up on the horse too. But had to have to give him a a big a shout guest. out.
0: Yeah, he was. Thanks for shouting him out because he was a good guest of ours. We enjoyed having him. We brought him on to do one of our shorts because. You know, ultimately, we want people to take a positive message. I, we say that probably too damn much, but you know, that's what we want people to get out of this. And at times, in the last couple shorts that we did, we're just trying to tell people maybe that are only in the ice business, and we know everybody's probably thinking of other things, we're giving examples of what people are doing, You know, with Daniel doing you know the meat cutting. And we talked to ice, obviously, as well in the life of that, and it was a great story you know, so you've got a good ice family, you know, I see in a lot of your photos, I see uh, not only the kids, but I see Leanne, and I ask myself sometimes, I don't know how long she's been around, but should she bring all this together?
2: Oh, man, uh, Leanne is, you know, she's the glue, right, I mean, your wife is, you know, at least I can say that for me, my wife is the glue, and, and she is, uh, talk about getting back up on the horse, you know, she was there when of all my things that you know, I could really think of if I've gotten hurt or uh, something was too risky, or I was, you know. And so she's just grinding her teeth and clenching her purse or whatever the case may be. And but she's always supportive, and no matter what it is, she is. What, honey? If if you trust in yourself, then then I then I trust in you. I mean, what more can you ask for? But um, and and that's just as being a supporter for me. As far as a mother goes, she's incredible. You know, she's she's first one up usually, last one to bed, and uh, takes care of the Lucas and Emily and the grandkids and uh, the dogs. And you know, I think maybe you should have her on the show. She <laughs> she's uh, she's got some stories herself.
0: I actually did send her a little message about. Uh, maybe helping me with this uh, online boot camp. You know, I, with me working with Elegant Ice, I do these boot camps uh, that Caustic has been putting on for years. And I just, I kind of sent her a joke, but it was almost like after I got off, I was like, it's kind of real. Um, I said, hey, maybe I should have you do like a, you know, like an office, like an in-house office, clean up, get organized, how to be organized in the office kind of thing. Because I've been in a lot of these shops and they're not. And it was funny because I talked to a carver who just bought a business uh, in the last couple months uh, and here in the United States. I'm not going to get into who that was and what business was bought and sold that will come out later. Um, but that exact thing came up. Like this business is uh, kind of a disaster and I need a office person in here so I can get this shop in order. And while they don't want to pay like someone full time, they were like, it'd be great to pay somebody. I told them reach out to a, you know, like a local college post something like you need because so many people are off work, somebody probably do it cash. But I said, hey, why don't you do a Zoom meeting on like basic, you know, office management or something. She kind of joked that she might, but
1: yeah, she might be part of this at some point. Hey, I also wanted to give her a big shout out for volunteering every year up there in Ice Alaska. She doesn't just go up there and, you know, observe, she participates. And, um, you know, my wife, Asha, she also is my partner in the cool hand business and um i i feel the same man. it's the glue you know and, and and in times like now it's like you know lean into what's solid when everything else is falling apart and you know if you're lucky enough ken just had his 17th anniversary which is incredible. nice Con- Congratulations! congratulations if you're lucky enough to have somebody like that by your side that cares about you that much and can join you in your passion. That's a beautiful thing.
2: You gotta have yeah, yeah, for sure. Congratulations.
0: Never go to bed mad. If you do, just do it in separate rooms. <laughs>
2: that's you know, sometimes you have to do that. It's, um, I, I, yeah, yeah. We need to take a page from your book as far as seventeen years, because there are a lot of records that you want to set. But I'm gonna tell you what—that's that's on top of of having a long, long marriage and and being there for them.
0: We got, we got the first uh, 18 year old going to college uh, daughter. So we got to survive that. If we survive that, that'll put us up to like maybe 23 and the next one will be kind of rolling into the same phase. So, you know, this one's, this one's trying to kick our ass right now, but that's, that's a whole nother story.
2: got to stay positive.
0: Yeah, you do. I got to give it to her though. You know, it's a kid that a lot of these, uh, the youth, they, a lot of them don't work and stuff, but like her whole, whole, whole like whole crew, they all work. And, uh, you know, they're not they're not out really doing anything other than listening to music, hanging out and talking about what they're going to do in the future. I don't know. I think it's weird. I'm like, what are you guys doing? They're like, they're not doing anything. They have fires here in my backyard all the time because I'd rather them be here than running around. And you think that, oh, these 18 to 20 year old kids are back there. They're not back here drinking or nothing. They're just being kids and social distancing is really not happening with these kids because they all work together. So they all come to my house as an outcrop, you know, because their parents have them all like, you can't do nothing. And if I tell them, if you, if you guys are in the backyard, I really don't care. Have a fire, do whatever you want. You got to cut it off for us here. School just started. So now that all has to stop during the week. Summer's officially over, you know, but, uh, my, uh, second child, Kendall, she just started school today, officially jumped on the bus and rode right in, mask on and the whole nine.
2: My uh, my mother was one of those that believed that she knew that we were going to be mischievous. She knew that we were going to, you know, do with the guys and bonfires and, you know, we we grew up in the country, so whatever you can do in the country is what we're going to do, but she was a big advocate like so why don't I just make it to where you can do it here? Right. And so we, at my house was a lot of times where people came because I just had one of those cool moms and she, you know, she cared. And of course, it wasn't like underage drinking and all that stuff that she was condoning. But it was like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna stay up late, if you're gonna, like you were talking about have a fire or whatever, then, then she made that happen. She was, she was just one of those cool moms.
0: We do something that for anybody that listens, you know, we could have uh, a number of people listen to this, but generally every Sunday we have what we call family dinner and not the direct neighbors, uh, but the next group over have been friends of long, long time of my uh, wife's family. So we have a Sunday dinner and there can be, you know, 10, if it's just the two houses or 20 or 30 people show up and it's all the same people. Mm -hmm. But everybody knows on Sunday, it's a gathering place. You can show up. And you just need to communicate, you're gonna bring something. And it's funny because sometimes you show up and there's, you know, somebody brought, you know, wings and somebody brought chili and somebody brought whatever else, all hodgepodge, but every Sunday, right here or right next door, you're welcome. Come on over.
2: Yeah, that's too cool.
0: It's a good policy, you know, to have an open policy.
2: I'll say this to uh, a testament to your wife, too, because you, if I know correctly or remember correctly, you travel a good bit, at least in your front, full, I prior job, you
0: did. Yeah. And, I don't uh, travel so to, I like to tell people I'm a million mile member in the American Airline Club, and there's no doubt to that. You know, like, I get free, uh, I don't even know what the rule is, if I fly American Airlines, I get free first class upgrades, like, for my entire life. And I flew around the country. I drove. The funny thing is, is I drove around the country first. I drove all over the place and then I ended up getting in a job where I flew. And so then I flew everywhere and it changed. I had a million miles on a couple different cars for sure. And then changed it up and put it on airline miles, but not anymore. No more travel.
2: Hey, Jeff, how, how long would you say collectively you're gone every year and has that Changed, and I know probably know the answer, but has that changed a lot since your daughter was born?
1: Definitely. Uh, on the last question, just because I don't want to, I don't want to be away from my family, but um, before I would say easily two to three months. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Now, yeah, now I'm more like, well, due to COVID, it's none. But now I. Probably, probably down to like a month.
2: So if, if COVID hadn't have, you know happened, you're still gone about a month, out of, which is not, you know, that's, I mean, for us, I mean, I can remember seeing you on the circuit a good bit, but you've, you've actually gone places that I to go one day, um, like in over in Poland and in Germany and, and, and those, those areas to carve and compete. So um, maybe one day, you know. oh
1: yeah well i mean
0: well you made your way up to a couple places you've made your way to uh yellow knife and that's another big block competition but you've broken away and and you've done some spectacular pieces if i'm not correct but you've made it to lake louise
2: yeah yeah so uh uh yeah Jeff, maybe we'll we'll uh talk about uh, Poland and all that because I'm really I already wrote it, down but... the time. I
0: already wrote down the time because I didn't want to squeeze in on Jess. And if you answered that question, I was just going to basically lean back in and say, Jess, what's up with the Polish deal? Because that's the fun part of this. Sometimes you'll just overrun each other. I wrote it down at 48 minutes and 37 seconds and I just turn it around.
2: Yeah, no, I'd love to talk about it because I'm so intrigued about how they do competition and stuff. Um, he knows but, it too. Yeah, so. Yeah, and Angelito, I mean, he's Angelito's is, is salt of the earth. Uh, for me, I just he's just one of the best people I've ever met. Just and outside of carving, I mean, that's just a bonus. The guy is just super genuine and um, super level-headed. But he's a master, right? He's a, he's a master, and it's just incredible to watch him work
0: jess what would you uh, give somebody uh words of wisdom to get into those european competitions and some of them are really jobs
1: right well now they've turned into jobs but the first one i wanted to go to russia or something like that and i was talking to your boss Aaron caustic and he said if you want to go international you should try poznan poland and you know the nice part about it coming from america in uh, international events, they want to have our flag at their event. You know, when the media comes by, they can say he's American or she's American. And so that's an advantage that we have. Um, Definitely big shout out to Angelito. That's the reason why I've I've been able to travel so much. Um, His mentorship and then, I mean, if he puts his name on an application, we, we usually get accepted and for obvious reason um, but I would say, you know, you stand a good chance if you just, you know, you've got a gold medal at Ice Alaska, so you, you stand a good chance if you just put it out there. And back to the, um, how much do you travel abroad or, or at all? In one year, I went for five weeks, but just like you, my wife and child came with me, and uh, and I was in Germany, they went to Poland. And you know that's a beauty if you're working as a team like that um, you know they don't get left out on all the events the next thing you know they got a chisel or a chainsaw in their hand and they're your teammate and so um, i'm looking forward to the day when uh, our little girl can join me on a team and, and um, you know keep this keep this, this thing rolling
2: that's really cool. That reminds me of um, uh, kind of a story like Kevin Laughlin. I know y'all probably know Kevin, and uh, Kevin's been around Alaska for ages. But he uh, he brought his daughter up to to help him carve, and and his son, and I always admired that. That you know, maybe one day Lucas could do that. I mean, Leanne's always gone. <laughs> I don't think Leanne would carve with me, um, and my other kids, you know they like watching dad, but that's about the extent of it. But, um, yeah, maybe Lucas, you never know if I can, uh, I can keep all my my sense about me and my fingers and stuff for another 10 years or so. And he can get up to be 13 or 14 and we'll see. You never know.
1: Hey, well, that brings Uh, me to another quote that I, that I wrote down. I, I just jot down these quotes when I either hear them or I think about them. Um, But And this might help to inspire Lucas and also my daughter or whomever. And, you know, to be a great storyteller, you got to be a great story maker. And so by you traveling around and kicking butt and taking names, um, you know, he's probably going to be inspired by that. And he's going to want to get a taste of it. If you're coming home and you're disgruntled and I got last place because a piece crashed instead of focusing on like you were saying um god saved my life or, you know and things like that then it, it turns from negative to positive and so as long as you make these stories sound amazing uh, why wouldn't they be interested? You know? yeah
2: that's true that's a good point yes um you can see them light up when we take them in the freezer we bring the ice out of the freezer and we'll put gloves on. Of course it's adorable because he's got gloves that are too big for him and he's, they're on the wrong hands and the boots are on the wrong feet, but he wants to do something with that snow, you know? And, and um, we've got a really big window uh, in our freezer. So I, and for several reasons, but I always knew one day, this was back in 2008, you know, my my daughter was born in uh in '05, but something I went up, oh I know what it was I went up to Julian Bailey's place. uh Brian was going to buy the the ICNC uh, Bulldog and went up and saw his place and I saw that he had several 3D CNCs and he had a big window in there and I thought, well, how cool is that, right? So when we built the next freezer, I thought I am going to put a really big window in there because I want to see. I want to let my kids, you know, because they don't always want to come in when it's cold in the freezer. I want to let them be able to see, and then I can look out and see them. And, and it came to fruition. Like, uh, I'll set him out some snow, and I can be working on something in the freezer. And I just peek right over the edge, and there he is. And, um, you know, Emily's out there playing with him, and it's just really cool. And it's, you know, gosh, it's really what it's about, to be honest with you. Um, because without, you know, without family, all of these are just, just they're just stories. And then, you know, you kind of take them with you that's if there's nobody true. to share them with. And,
1: that's absolutely right. It's all about relationships. It doesn't have anything to do with money. It doesn't have anything to do with the how fast you go in this journey or how far you go. It has everything to do with who you do it with. And, and that's what, you know, I know we keep bringing up the end, but That's a beautiful thing that you got going on there. And and also the window in the freezer is a great idea. Hila likes to come. She says, "Daddy, can I check the ice? She likes to stick her hand in the block maker and check the ice. Unfortunately, several months I've had to say, Daddy, it's not making any ice. (laughs) (laughs) We we can go in the freezer. I've got some stockpiled, but the tanks aren't on them. Also, I mean, I'll give her like a curry comb. Or you know something that you can just scratch on and you got to make him fall in love with it,
2: yeah yeah you know, yeah the the ice the ice parts cool he likes to break it. I've got him to scratch it with um i have like a skeleton key thing, but uh you know it, it, he'll get it it's just that muscle memory or memories of you know ice, I mean, I can think back little things like. I don't know, basketball or whatever you were a kid at that age playing with, it's whatever your parents kinda of put in your hand. I mean it your psyche soaks it up. I mean you're gonna remember when somebody else puts that back in your hand, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and I shouldn't
2: have said make them phone the because
1: that's impossible. You hope they phone Yeah, no, don't uh, let
2: your mom don't visit don't let your babies grow up to be ice carvers. I think there should be a song. (laughs) No, they can be, they can be ice carvers. It, it, It really, it's not for the faint of heart and it's not for, it's really has to be a passion. I mean, Jess, you, you and Ken both know this. It's like, there's a business side of it, but if you're not passionate about it, you might as well be making bricks, you know, um and and you're not going to last very long and you're not you're, It's going to show in the pictures it's going to show you know um in your words but for some reason i it, it became a passion and i i couldn't shake it if i tried
1: that's right edwin and it's something that i've been struggling with but, you know we've been talking to all these carvers and they're all on the same boat, basically. Their businesses have come to a halt, and some of them, are outside of the podcast, and also on the podcast, have simply said, "I'm getting out of it." And you know, my thing is, is I've got skills as well. I can do a bunch of things, but you know, I got to remember don't just chase everything I see. I got to chase what I want to do, you know. And if you're passion-driven you have no choice, you're a creator, you're an artist, you have no choice, you have got to find something that inspires you, you can't go and, you know, do electrical work or whatever else, just because you can do it and make a buck, you're going to be miserable, you know, like like the bricks, so.
2: Yeah, and and this is kind of a good segue over into the wood, because I didn't, you know, I didn't really, I didn't really kind of, expect the wood to be what it, I guess, the, we're in the very juvenile stages of it, but I didn't expect to be uh, down this path. Of course, COVID was, was definitely uh, a current director, um, but we uh, took a class back in, I think it was took Aaron Costas' class uh, that he had, uh, Chris Swarbeck and uh, Scott Dow me out ken i think it was uh 15 or 16 something like that isn't one and of those years. We, yeah because you you came you were in and out helping out over that and then oh, we, a couple of years of later, later,
0: that's yeah i was just yeah, was, i just came by to i just came by to to drink water to have a couple of drinks of water at the end of the day and sometimes i would stop right. at those in the middle of the day that's when back when i was flying in and out I would just kind of cruise over and see see who was there. But, yeah, you guys had uh, Chris Fultz was out there. And, yeah, you guys did some pieces.
2: And Eagles Scott Dow.
0: Jokers or something. Yeah, Scott Dow.
2: Well, that was actually the second one. The first one was these uh, semi-life-size, well, I guess they'd be half-life-size horses, but pretty big horses, right?
0: Oh, that's I do um, remember those. That was, the, that was the first year. I remember this
2: and uh Leanne of course here she is again just like if you that's what you want to do honey that's what we'll do and so she again went up there with me and um, we of course got to have some great you know uh friendships and conversations and time but uh really wanted to learn from those guys because they were attaching pieces uh, of wood to much like we do in ice and that was extremely important for me because I didn't want to and I mean this in no disrespect. I just didn't want to be one of those guys that was carving everything inside of the log. And I, y'all know what I mean when I say that. Just, you know, you know in ice we've sure. learned how to fuse and attach, and and so I just I need to see how he did it. And so we did that. We put on a tail and uh, two two legs and hooves, and uh, it was a great experience. And a couple of years later. We went to Eric uh, Kostick's new boot camp place, which is uh, there in uh, Virginia, I think it is. And um, he, we, he, Chris actually taught this class because I don't think that uh, Scott could make it. And this we did Eagles and a Jester then. And of course, watching Foltz carve, and if Foltz listens to this, hey, brother, love you. Uh, appreciate all of your help. Foltz has really been very instrumental on all of my questions um, and I feel very blessed to be able to have a friendship with Chris to, you know, somebody of, of his moral character and not to mention his, his skills and his talent, but I call him he up. I want to,
0: I want to jump in on this. We're going to go back to what he just had his team won the collegiate national championships, you know, with the COVID, who knows if there's going to be a collegiate national championships this year. And uh, really? if there is, you know, I'm sure he'll come back. But his team won the Collegiate National Championships. And uh, we, we you know, uh, do a uh, like a, a sponsored scholarship. And I had never been a part of Elegant Ice, but, you know, some students apply. And his student uh, actually won the scholarship. We just sent her $1,000 worth of tools. So hopefully she'll get out oh, there nice. at this point And uh, we'll see her somewhere with those tools. I imagine Chris, he's brought all the students up a bit. Uh, where he could, so uh, we'll see if if that continues. You know, so yeah, uh, really, really great to see that connection that you have there. So um, back to the wood. Let's get back on. Edwin.
2: Yeah,
1: Ed, so yeah, Edwin, so. I wanted to sorry to interrupt uh, that piece that you're doing. That was beautiful, by the way. And I wondered if you would mind, for those of us that don't know, um, can you briefly explain how to attach pieces?
2: yeah yeah and I, I let, let me say one little I was trying to allude to something is that we've gotten into this thing I took these classes and of course these classes are not free but uh, my wife's little running joke is she's like okay honey she goes you know we've done these classes and I think it's about time you carved me a pumpkin or a squirrel or something and I'm like okay honey but I'm one of these people unfortunately to a fault that it has to be the right time and it has to be the right piece of wood and that sort of thing I know that sounds terrible but Anyway, so we get in COVID happens, and uh, this, this wood piece hit, and so I said, "Honey, here's your, here's your pumpkin. Here's your squirrel. It's like 15 feet tall." <laughs> She's like, "Thanks, but it, it's not a pumpkin or a squirrel." I mean, I still want my pumpkin or squirrel. But um, she has so much patience. It's unbelievable. Uh, so the wood piece, uh, it, really it's a lot like ice. I'll, I'll start off by saying it's a lot like ice, and if you look at it, and I approach it as a competition piece. Now, if you haven't been to Alaska or big blocks or on scaffolding and you're doing these big pieces, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. But if you ever get the chance, and or if you have, uh, you can very easily kind of just take what you've learned there and, and approach it like, you know, look at your main piece, and then, okay, I'm going to attach this piece or that piece. And then where do I get that out of the block? Because, yes, you could probably go get another piece of wood from somewhere else, but where's the fun in that, right? We want to pull it out of this log. So, so like Kostick taught, taught me a long time ago, he's like most of the competition is one at the drawing board or one back at the shop. So we put a lot of time into drawing out the size of this log, and we pulled our pieces out and we labeled them, et cetera. Uh, And so then you, a lot like ice, you get two flat sides. Now that's not as easy with wood as it is with ice because we have things like aluminum and nail boards. So you basically have to trust the saw and you make a a straight cut. I have a bad habit of leading with the tip to mark my line and then going in and cutting, making the rest of the cut. With, when you're doing two seams, you really have to make one pass. And so you you can sand off, but you get your two pieces that are flat. And if it's a heavy piece, depends on the size of lag bolt or timber lock that you need. And you want some good Gorilla Glue. Uh, and then so you, you, you kind of put everything together. Uh, mark your spots where you want everything to line back up. And then you'll pre-tap or um, paddle bit you know for your head of your timber lock and then pre-drill about three quarters of the way because you want it to really bite at the end and then you do that with however many bolts you're going to use um you if you don't have any help a lot of help sometimes you can tack nail it or screw it into place but you put that glue in there and you put it back up against it and you use an impact and you you impact that that bolt right in there and you finish it off with uh, with uh, a socket set and drive and let it sit. And then you can come back and carve around it. You can come back and pull that timber lock out sometimes if you want to cut around it without messing up your saw or you can just fill in those holes and and now you have your attachment.
1: So you counter set it?
2: You do. You counter sink the head of the timber lock bolt and you pre-drill it with you know a 16th or an eighth inch smaller uh drill bit than the actual timber lock so you really you've got some teeth when you when you sink that puppy in there
1: nice, but the man. gorilla
2: glue does gorilla glue does a lot of work too
1: uh, thanks for sharing i was wondering how you got those beautiful butterfly wings on your piece or whatever they were wings
0: if anybody yeah has never, and if you've never used a timber lock it's a certain kind of screw And they're great for projects beyond what we're talking about here but yeah as soon as you started talking about attaching i wondered if that's what you were going to say i actually just bought a couple the other day not for wood sculpture Mm -hmm. but uh they are definitely uh because they got great lengths i don't know how long they go but you can get them in a variety of sizes
2: yep you sure can and uh, most of the longer ones just have you know uh, a small percentage of the length is actual thread and the rest of it's slick because that's really all you need. And so when you pre-drill that, you don't want to, you know, you kind of measure your drill bit versus your timber lock, and you only want to go three-quarter, uh, you know. So that last, you know, last several inches is is nothing but thread on the wood, biting and drawing everything in. Well, that's awesome because a,
0: a lot of the ice players, they really don't know. I guess how the wood goes together and they've probably made some ideas but and it's changed over the years for sure but as long as timberlocks have been out and recognized they've definitely been used so what else goes on in the world in terms of your favorite things to do i know you're out there doing the wood right now but me and jess were talking about different discussions and jess was like it's a really good idea to ask people you know do they have any message to send do they have something that they'd like to say personally
2: hey jess Yes, sir. Hey, that piece you're doing on your, uh, front of your freezer. That is really cool, man.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm did actually, you, uh, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, I was asking about the circle part. Is that part of the design or did you kind of, you know, how you have the, like, the, I guess the Atlas guy, is that, does that help you, you know, keep your, uh, I guess, proportions and stuff and. What is the circle? Is it going to stay there? Uh, well, I, yeah, the
1: circle is definitely going to stay. And um, it's inspired by, I can't pronounce it, but a Russian artist, E-R-T-E. And uh, he, okay. has a design, he has a design, I mean, it's based on this, but it's not at all the same. And um, I've always been fascinated with circular designs um let's see who was it we, we tried to do one up there in Alaska and it didn't work and so this actually I'm, I'm thinking I'm trying ice because the I mean the lady would be fine but if you add all that hair of course it would fall. so and we all know that the circle is the strongest shape so I just mm-hmm. part of composition the one I guess you know they've the circle, the square, the X, the pyramid, is all a like strong composition. And all right. You, and then it pulls it all together. and uh, Yes. Yeah. Nice.
2: Now, how do you do you paint? Uh, see, I am not a very good painter. I can do a little sketching, but when it comes to colors, I don't think I was <laughs> given the gift of You know what colors go well together. So, do you do you paint that all as one, or do you pull tape off to like show the backdrop? I guess whatever it was underneath it. Well,
1: what I did with this one was I printed three of my drawings, my sketches, and I just played with the color concept because I'm the same. I you've probably seen most of my work is charcoal, so. Mm With light and dark, and I really yeah, okay. and and then you know there's some uh, some stuff that you could pull up on the internet about color theory like the complementary color type thing you know if you 've heard of this, um, so for this piece, the hair is going to be gold, gold, and orange, which is a complementary color to blue, and so um, you know, suddenly you can have a more dynamic, impactful piece, that's the goal. However, I, like I said, I'm not, I haven't done much color. And these people that are doing these murals, um, I gotta give it to them. Cause it's hard to make uh, these curve with a paintbrush, you know, without uh, taping everything off. I didn't tape anything. I, I used the compass for the circle. Or a piece of string oh, wow. a pencil. But, but I'm a beginner okay, when, it, it. when it comes to your old thing. If you've never been in my garage slash shop, but Ken has, I've got drawings all over it. I finally, yeah. I, just, I, I just decided out of my head, I've got to, you know, got to I reinvent you
2: know. um uh, that's awesome I don't do a lot of murals I've always wanted to try but again it was like I don't know it just has to be just the right thing and I I hate that about myself sometimes that I don't just I'm not too afraid to mess up I need to have less fear of making mistakes I think sometimes I'd I'd be a lot happier but well not that I'm not happy but I would do more projects like that you know but sometimes I get my own way because I don't want to mess something up
1: Well, I got a friend and she does a lot of murals and like breweries on on boards and stuff. And she goes in the project and just projects up there and does the drawing. But the way that a lot of people do it is they'll draw a grid. I'm sure you're familiar with that. So you you do your Mm -hmm. sketch. If you draw a grid and then you have to draw a grid on your work surface, this being the, the freezer. And then you can kind of get an idea of where you're at but one thing I'll say as far as that uh, what you had just commented about, I mean you gotta you gotta just forgive yourself for some of these mistakes man. just think about Bob Ross man just a, sometimes these mistakes have to be the cool, coolest little thing and, yeah. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? and so if the proportion is a little wrong or whatever don't worry you know, It's, it's. I, I mentioned this on the, the last podcast I think but you know, lean into your discomfort, you know, and just put it all out there and find out what happens. I mean, it's, you don't have to put, you don't have to tell anybody, you don't have to show anybody. I mean, I do it when I can, but you better believe I don't post or you know, all of my disasters and I've had a lot of people ask me, have you ever messed one up when I'm doing demonstrations? I'm like, oh boy, you better believe it. i <laughs> um, <laughs> Paintings, drawing, the sculptures, you know, and that's that's an repetition and practice. And then also, I mean, you know, it, sound, it sounds cheesy or whatever, but uh, you got to let the ego go, you know. And when I post on Facebook, um, I'm trying to get a reaction. That's what I think all artists are doing. I'm not really so much interested in likes or whatever, but when I see my teachers give me the like, then I think, okay, I'm I'm in the right direction. I'm still not, you know, it's like Janichi said in boot camp. Somebody asked him what could you still study? What should you still study? said he just laughed. He said, when you're looking up, there's always much to learn. And you know yeah. I've a lot of uh, you know, I mean, the, the Food Network just contacted which I did that once before, and I hated it. And I said, just saying, you don't want to do that. I said, well, I could give it a shot. I at least hear what they had to say. And I slept on it, and I got up, and I said, nope. No, it's not the, it's, it's ego-driven, you know. It's, you know, I already got it on my resume, so it can't be for your resume. And it, it should be more purpose-driven. In my opinion, or passion-driven, and uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, with art, there's you. We get so used to people just saying, "Wow, you're amazing! This is amazing!" It's not really amazing, but we get brainwashed, and then it becomes more about your ego, fulfilling that instead of achieving your goal. So I would just—I mean, I saw what you were doing. You did the Nick Smith drawings, and you know that—that yeah. that was out of your comfort zone. You—you you said that. Yeah. And, uh, well, I would just encourage that. Whatever, it, far out of your comfort zone as
2: possible within reason, obviously. And making a habit of it, like, or, or putting it into my daily, sitting down and. Sketching, it, if it's not, but two or three minutes, just something, because then you, then it gets to where that's what you're used to. Because when Nick was doing that, or I see you putting stuff on there, I can sit down and do it, go along with you and do that, and that, I guess that uh, inspires me to do it. But a lot of times, just to do it on my own, I, I do a lot of sketching and stuff for the business, for the ice business, or now, I guess, the wood business, and so it's different than when you're trying to sketch like a portrait, you know, or it's just, uh, I don't know, there's almost less less pressure there when you're, I know that's, it shouldn't seem that way, but there's less pressure for me sketching something for an ice client or a wood client than there is for me to sketch something that is just, like, out of my head, or no references or anything like that. But that's where I need to be. Yeah, well on that note, I would
1: say, I mean, always use as much of a reference as possible. If you, if you mm-hmm. go and see that the Russians are working with no templates, they always have several pictures. And like one of the hardest things to do is invent the pose. Like I said, I, I, this is not a copy. Um, on the the freezer wall. But at least I had a reference to start with. And then you pick and choose, modify, things like that. It's it's a whole lot easier with pictures. I always say drawing is the foundation. I know there's a lot of carvers that say, I don't even draw, but I could sculpt. And that's fine. But when you start twisting the sculpture, you're gonna lose that template quite quickly. And,
2: Real quickly, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, and um, if you look in museums, marble, they're always twisted. you know, this. So, um, yeah, I mean, just draw, 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 keep after.
2: Yeah, it's that side view that I need to practice more on, which is really when you start turning the sculpture. I can turn in my head relatively easy. Uh, but I I find that putting it on paper uh, becomes more difficult, but I can put it in my head and turn it and then turn it on the medium uh, in the ice, or in this case, the wood, relatively easier than I can pencil on paper. And I don't, who knows why that is, but. Also, one tip
1: would be get yourself a chunk of clay, like the snow sculptors object to just make a little model You can make a flat model with a picture that you have or a template. And you can twist it where you know the body will twist or the animal can contort. You know what I mean? That's the beauty of clay. And then you can look at that and draw it.
2: Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense.
1: Victor is the one that really inspired me to study anatomy.
2: I've got books
1: out the yin-yang, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, in the beginning of this, I went through an entire book and I drew almost every single illustration. And it was I, to the point where I was just sick and tired of drawing. But I'm hoping that, like what we said, don't slow down, gain some momentum. And I'm hoping that this is a good practice and exercise. To, I think that when we come out of this, I think the work is going to be incredible. You've seen what Victor's doing with the resins and Angelita's right. with the wood carvings. Oh, my God. That is
2: amazing. So, yeah, and and the, the material that they're using, I haven't gotten to where I want to try that because it, it, it does. It, there's a different part of the brain that, that can do what they're doing but uh, and imagination. But the material that they're, that they're using is not all that much. I think they've got a couple of 2x8s or 2x6s that they've a biscuit, or glued together in a vise, and then, you know, I think it's pine. I'm not sure, but uh, and they're just going in and creating this scene, which is, and you know, it's just amazing. I was just blown away by it.
1: Uh, it's from Home Depot. I, you know, when I went to Angelito's house the first time, it looks like a museum, and I was blown away. I was like, wow, you know, you would never know that he was that good because he's such so, you a know, saint like you said he's so modest and quiet but then yeah. you, see, you see what he's capable of and these figures that he's doing he did the last supper and it's like 20 inches wide right you know and it take expression much. on each face and right and, and same thing he probably looks at a picture of the last supper and then he turned it into the filipino last supper just tweaking right. visual aid is.
2: But that is a lot of patience. And it, it doesn't take a whole lot to mess up an expression or mess up a, a hand or a foot. It's, I mean, that's all push chisel, right? He's just push chiseling everything.
1: Yep. He just, uh, yep. and I've seen a chisel box. It's just a box full of tiny little chisels. It keeps the sharp. I mean, it's soft wood. But, you know, you're I don't know if you've tried to do like relief carving and stuff, but there's a grain, obviously. Like, you can pop off the nose with one false move. <clears throat> you're done, you know. Wow. If, you're, if you're dealing with a two-inch board, you know, how far can you push it back to? Make it right? wow. yeah, that guy's on the hold
2: yeah, I need that negative space when I'm carving uh, relief. Sometimes doesn't give you that negative space to push all the way through. I mean, essentially, just by the word of it, doesn't give you any. But uh, so that that would be tough for me because I need that open air to kind of see where I am and you know see how that figure's moving or turning when I'm carving.
1: Makes sense. I mean, they they, say sculpture is always the best with a strong silhouette. But
0: he won't come on the podcast, Mr.
1: Angelito. Yeah, when you're doing a relief with uh, um, two inches, it's amazing that he can make it look that three D.
2: He won't come on the podcast. You said, Ken? No,
0: we're going to do a podcast that's about like a series of hot shot education things. I think we could ask him to maybe show to, how to do a hand. The way he does a hand is really interesting. He shows you how to mm-hmm. carve it. And it would just be cool because he could do it quickly and it would just be like, Hey, that's it. Thanks, dude. Peace. We're done, you know.
2: And, no, and I
0: think some um, short educational things like that are live with different sculptors, you know, would be awesome. But yeah, yeah. Jess asked him and he was like, No. I messaged him and he was like, No, I'm busy. I was like, Nobody's working, it's
2: COVID. What are you talking
0: about? He's busy sculpting away. Does not want to be distracted.
2: Yeah, well, I, I, I don't. I don't think he has a lot of confidence in his English to do like these long conversations and things. Right, right. And I, I but, think that uh, could be part
1: of it. it Even the Travel Channel in Poland was like, "Can we get you to mic up?" Because the piece was starting to look great. and He was the captain. He just pointed at me and talked to Jess. And the the Bicex brothers, Ross and Tony, were all mic'd up, and they're talk, 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 talking. And those are, I mean, we're good friends, but they're the ones to beat with the tough competition. So while they were talking, we were working. And uh, so I think that this generally is, and he's super modest, you know? Yeah,
2: he's super modest.
1: he does not like to lose. <laughs> he, won't, no. he, won't show it, he won't show it in front of everybody. But And get back to the room. And, oh. no, and I, the I love
2: his of fire. Class, huh?
0: <laughs> All right. So, Edwin, to getting close to the closeout of the podcast here, we always like to talk about, you know, what you have to say. It's kind of your time to take the floor Take the podcast floor, so to speak. You have a message to send out to Carvers and our other listeners. Uh, you know, uh, maybe it's just a shout out to somebody, or you know, a call out to somebody because you want to get to somewhere like Poland, <clears throat> Um, You know, but take the floor; it's yours. Any message you want to give?
2: Uh, thanks, guys. Yeah, I'll. I'll uh, I've got a few, and, and you can kind of edit out what you think doesn't. <laughs> doesn't really go, but I just want to say as far as the times we're in, I think Jess was alluding to this earlier is, is, you know, um, it it sounds cliche, but keep your head up. Um, You know, the the wood thing came our way. Uh, I'm not really sure exactly why, you know, uh, prayer or whatever you may want to believe in, but there's stuff out there that you still have the capabilities of doing, and it's, you know, it's sculpting wood is something that you can see yourself doing. Um, Just jump in it just as, you know, two feet, just like you did with with ice, if that's where you were when all this happened. And um, I I gotta say that I feel that it's gonna come back around. And and not only do I feel, but we've had a few um, more ice sculptures pick up here recently. Um, We've got some old things that canceled that are rescheduling. And so I think there's some great things on the horizon. So take that time, uh, go back in the shop, uh, breathe some life back into it, uh, starter back up, you know, whatever it may be that makes you feel like the, you know, the pulse is, is back in the shop again, because you, you just don't want to get caught with your, with your pants down, if you will, uh, when they do start calling back. And so get those little projects out of the way. Um, I want to just kind of say thanks to, some, to several people uh, Dieter you're one of them and I appreciate uh, you've been a, uh, whether you know it a, a decent part of my ice career uh, as far as influence and and drive and example uh, on kind of how to get things done that in the culinary career I've, I've always kind of watched what you do and how you interact with people and the sacrifices that you've made competitions and putting people together so they can compete and having a great experience. So thank you for that. I mean, I know that firsthand in Yellowknife where you, you've always made sure we were taken care of. So thank you for that. Uh, Jess, you. I want to say thank. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jess, I want to say thank you because uh, I'm, I'm sure you remember it, but the first time I ever saw you carve was on the stage at Titanic. And we had, it was one of my first speed carvings out. It was me and you and Victor. And now that I look back, I was like, man, I am outnumbered. <laughs> but you did a, um, I did some kind of fish, and and you did a, a guitar, and just the crowd. I remember how you interacted with the crowd, and it, it dawned on me that, you know, it's it's not just carving that there's the entertainment side of this, and so um, there's a lot of cats that are really tuning into that that you know, there's carving, and then there's entertainment carving. And there's a whole other industry out there for that that I don't think we've really tapped into. Uh, some people have tried and been successful, but I still think there's room out there um, for that. But I uh, just want to thank you two guys first. And then I'm just going to kind of hit a few people, my family, you know, my dad, all the supporters and stuff. since people don't really don't listen, but um, just want to say thanks, mom, Tema, uh Debbie, Butch, you guys who know who you are, uh, we're talking about wood earlier, Jake Vondersek, uh, brother. i uh, I've got your back. Anytime you need anything, you let me know. Jake's been with us for a while, uh like well, I like says past uh two or three years, but he goes up and, and volunteers at the uh, boot camp for Stephen Heather Bryce in Alaska and and just gives it his all. He gives it his all back here. He's been helping me on the wood project, up and down scaffolding. You know, every day we work out there is just a just a trooper. So thank you, Jake, uh, Steve, and Heather Bryce. Um, you guys need to get on here and talk a little bit because uh, those guys are just uh, cogs, huge, huge cogs in the wheel as far as this ice industry goes. And um, I love I love those two. Thank you, Steve and Heather. Uh, Dean Demaris is one of the guys that uh, Dean is uh, just he taught me a lot about uh the difference between smooth and busy when it comes to art and he explained it in such a way that helped to be very successful in the ice world um but he he showed me a lot so thank you Dean Demers. David Smith uh Tater you guys are awesome Brad Goskowitz uh sorry I know this is corny but I kind of made a list <laughs> I just didn't want to I didn't want to leave anybody out um Wake, oh, what, you know what a are.
1: grateful, what a grateful um, guest! I mean, we haven't had anybody go down the list. <laughs> this is
2: awesome. <laughs> Sorry, um, Austin Greenleaf, uh, you're right there, there next to Sworbick. Uh Thank you, man. You, you, he was with us two years ago, and and just what a, a great character of a young man. Uh, Don Lowing, thank you, brother. Thistleweight, love you. I appreciate um, just your ingenuity and what you've done for the ice world Um, can't say enough about you we we really haven't uh, had a great opportunity to blossom our friendship but uh, I appreciate what you've done for me and my family Uh, Angelito we we touched briefly on that I just think he's a saint Um, look forward to carving with you again Aubrey Newton, old-time friend, Carl Lundgren, these are guys that came to Alaska with me. David Faber, uh, and I, David Hubbard, and I'll go back to that in a minute, Casey Connors, and um, and yeah, and, and Jeff Kaiser, uh, Dan Reboholtz. But Jeff Kaiser, huge shout-out, because if it wasn't for him, you know, I don't think I'd have ever made it to the big block. I mean, maybe my chance would have came but later on, but Jeff Kaiser gives me a huge solid. And we carved together again last year, which was – which was huge uh, to be able to kind of come full circle in about eight years and and do a piece like St. Michael, which was very close to all four of us, I think, with Danny Bloss. Um, gosh, the list goes on and on. I, I'm sorry I'm forgetting people, but, but they know who they are, and I thank them, thank them for that.
0: Well, fantastic. Sorry, it's like you said, everybody thanks somebody, but you, you thanked uh, a lot of players, you know, that have been in your life or, as you said, Uh, respect back to them because they were players in your family's life yeah i can appreciate that you know all the way uh, to the moon and back it's one of jess and i's favorite things because we hear a lot of awesome things and we really appreciate it. it was great because i know so many of the people that you mentioned and i mentioned to jess in conversation just maybe a week or two ago i said we haven't had a lot of ladies on here we're gonna have heather bryce on here I said, but I wonder what Thistleweight's wife's doing because maybe she'd get on the phone and talk about what he's doing. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I could call Danielle and be like, okay, I'm not going to get him on the phone. What's happening, you know? But just a shout out to those two good people used to carve next to him in nationals. Somehow I ended up next to him like maybe two or three years in a row. I think three years in a row. We ended up right next to each other at the nationals. Yeah. That's wow. good
2: stuff. I mean, you, you guys have got such a, a gem here, I think. Um, I mean, COVID is going to, you know, it's going to go away at some point. We all hope, excuse me. And, uh, you know, I'd you really know, I really didn't talk about, about gonna, it. Here. Well, uh, you're going you to have a lot of time on your hands when you get busy again. And, man, I mean, there's so many people that, that uh, you could interview, I think, and, and, and it's, it's going to be tough for you to get to them. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And you had mentioned that you had some business. Each podcast, you know, I like to report, um, you know, that we've done some more business. And, you know, this this week, what do we have go out? A Chief Wahoo. I, it, this week we had really nothing. And it, it seems this way every week. There isn't anything on the book. And we get a couple calls. And there's been like two or three sculptures a week or, or even more a couple weeks. I got to tell you, September 12th looks like it could be a really bang out weekend. There's a marriage uh, happening in one place, could turn out. There's a sweet 16th birthday party that could end up having like five grand worth of ice sculptures at it. You know, that's all leaning right in our pocket right now that we could get. So I just sent out the designs and stuff for that and very promising work. And when I talk to these caterers, because I kind of call them and I'm like, how's everything looking out there? And uh, they're like, you know, surprisingly, things are really starting to move forward. Like, okay, you know, and I think a lot of businesses are maybe at their, at their, they might be getting close to their end game. So they're, they're getting their They're trying to get back into it right now. And I've seen a lot of closures yeah. happen around here, but I know a lot of people are also closed they're playing a smart move. They're just waiting to reopen so they don't lose any money right now. So, you know, tough, tough market to be in, but I see some, some positives coming and I hope everybody else sees a few more sculptures getting turned on too.
2: Yeah, you got to keep your finger on the pulse. I mean, um, it's real easy to kind of get um, set back in your swing on your front porch and just kind of take it. I mean, I'd love to like just hang out with my family, right? And and some, some people, that's what they can do right now. And, and I say to that, I know it's not – good having the extra money and income and stuff that you had but 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 soak that part up too right now while you can I mean if that's if that's where you're at um because when we get busy again I was telling Leanne I said I will (laughs) I will never complain about how busy I am again you know if we get to that back to that point to where we were because it was a phenomenal year in the past two years and um, but if you if you can take this time and be with your family you know, just put the money in all that stuff or where you, where you, where you are in your financial status. And I, I get, you know, when you're not able to pay the light bill, that's not so much your financial status and, and I'll, I'll pray for you there. But if you've got some time to spend with your family, do it and do it. Cause before you know it, you're going to turn around and go, man, I would just take like, it's just a, a 2% of that back. If, if I, if I could spend that with my family, uh, cause I'm so busy right now, but. Anyway,
0: Jess and I would both agree. One thing we've done is spent a lot of time. We talked about this on other podcasts, too. We spent a great deal of time on our own projects, uh, projects helping other people, uh, you know, or just in general, spend more time with our family. So it's definitely been, you know, silver lining, icing on a cake, a couple ways to look at all the bad.
2: Yeah. Um, hey, maybe you can add, uh, edit this back in, but there's somebody I forgot and I don't, not for any particular reason. Dean Murray, uh, and Dean's just he's just he's a not solid dude. We already
0: had him on this podcast, he already had a
2: podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. on <show>. him. <laughs> he's just a solid dude, and he always kept us laughing, uh, even when I didn't want him to. And uh, two years ago, on that beautiful piece with you know, the uh, underwater piece, simply irresistible. He's just great. And we worked together. Lake Louise, you know, you were asking about that earlier. He was just great to work with. Um, always has good insight. Uh, you know, worked together. You know, we were talking about that. Dan Reboholtz is another one. Just uh, enjoyed spending time with him and, and got some direction from him. But I don't know how you can add that back in there. But definitely give a shout-out to Dean for me because I'd hate to, to leave him off here.
0: Well, we hadn't closed the podcast yet, so in close, that was a pretty damn good shout out. I appreciate it, Jess. You got any closing remarks?
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna follow up with what you both just said, and you know, don't slow down, gain some momentum right now. And yeah, th- we talked about the the family thing, and you know, I've got, I wrote down a few ideas right now. I'm repainting the freezer. Obviously, that's completely unnecessary. But um, yeah, I have the time, you know. And but you know, you can make a vision board, make some goals, some measurable goals, and um, you could build. A, I, I added a shelf in the freezer. Uh, you could build trays, um, the risers, carving stands, toolkits. There's a lot. There's a lot that we can prepare for if we're projecting positive, you know. If we're sitting around and thinking, oh, we're, we're, we're done, well, then we're just gonna be wasting our time. So, um, and, and I, I have, I've wasted a bit of time during this, but um, Edwin, you are a great guest. Kim, thank you so much. And um, I've never, I don't think I've ever met anybody as grateful as you, Edwin, with all those shout outs. <laughs> uh, but anyway, anyway um, shout out to everybody. I'm just going to clean it up with one, one line. I had, a, I had a buddy, he would say, uh, big thanks, especially you know who. He was the boss of the catering company. Everybody would think, I did such a good job. You know, I was just a teenager. and He must be talking about me. But uh, that was his way to uh, give all of of that appreciation in in one line. But, yeah, thanks, thanks guys, for the conversation. And I can't wait to see you guys again and put out some cool ice.
0: All right. Edwin, thanks, dude. We appreciate you being on the Ice Cool Podcast, man.
2: Enjoyed it, guys. Hey, y'all, stay safe out there. And uh, keep doing what you do best, man. Uh, Hope we'll talk to you soon, okay?